The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. This week's guest is Catherine Granger, but I'm first joined by the legend that is double Olympic champion, decathlete, Daley Thompson. Daley Thompson, six feet, one inch tall, outgoing, dedicated. His ultimate experience, the joy of the competition. The Bridgestone ambassador for the Olympic Chase Your Dream No Matter What campaign is joining the Olympic Channel podcast as co-host. Hello, Daley. How are you? I've been really looking forward today because this is one of my best friends in sport and uh, haven't, uh, haven't got to see them for a while. Indeed. Well, Daly's here because we're celebrating 40 years since Daly won his first Olympic title in Moscow in 1980. Across four episodes, we are revisiting four decades, speaking to some of the greatest Olympians from each decade to see how they chase their dream no matter what. Last week, we spoke to Denise Lewis to represent the 90s. And for the noughties, we have an incredible Olympian who went to the Games five times and came back with a medal every single time, including a long-awaited gold medal at London 2012. She's also Britain's most decorated female Olympian and now is chair of UK Sport. It's rower Catherine Granger. How are you? Very well indeed, thank you. I'd love to be in the programme as well and always a pleasure to share airspace with Daly. So it was a joy today. It's been such a crazy time um, and obviously you're the chair of UK Sport. How has lockdown been for you? I had stupidly thought without the games this summer, actually a lot of our, you know, the diary changed immediately and I thought UK Sport would be quite quiet. And oh, how wrong I have been. It's been really busy and, you know, everything from like, you know, helping to support the athletes to kind of planning for a year in advance to working with the government and the returning training to returning to competition to sort of planning budgets that we don't really know because no one knows about money anymore. So, oh my God, it's been, it's been fascinating if it, you know you don't wish a global pandemic on anyone but it's been quite an amazing time to live through to see reactions and and um yeah good and bad uh of how things cope so it's been yeah it's been really it's been really interesting times if um if challenging let's say so to get started i want to go back in time all the way back to when you were a student at university and there was this dramatic moment where you're kind of left out of the competitive rowing team. I mean, that seems pretty unbelievable now, to be fair. But can you take us back to that moment up in Scotland? Uh, yeah, I can. I can. Let's go to some of the lower points first. It's always a joy to talk about those disappointing <laughs> bits, in our, bits in our career. Uh, yeah, this was, this was like, this, as you say, this was when I was still a student. So I was at university and... Um, in a, in a way, it was a brilliant time. You know, I, I'm sure Daly would say the same. Loads of uh, experience in sport is is learning. You know, lot, you just learn lesson after lesson after lesson. And, and it does. It shapes you as a person. And I was in, I was only in my sort of second year um, of rowing. And I had my first year as a novice. And you did, you know, you, you do really well when you first start out in sport. And you don't really know how good or bad you are. And you can just have this fabulous time. And, and we won quite a lot of things. So I went into my second year trying to get into senior team thinking, I know how to do this sport now. This is going to be, you know, I love this. I'm now competitive. I know what I'm doing. Here we go. 
And then we did all this big selection and very publicly kind of the teams got announced. And I, I basically wasn't in any of the teams. And then they put together a sort of final boat. It was more to be, this boat will be a more sociable boat and won't really ever commit, compete or do anything good. But, you know, you get into the, and that was me. That was my boat. And I was mortified and I had that horrible mix of, you know, huge personal disappointment, but also real, like kind of almost shame of like, grief. Everyone's just heard how awful I am. So I was in Edinburgh as a student and I left the, the building we were in and I walked up too late at night than I should have done. But Arthur's seat, which is this sort of ancient volcano in the centre of the city. And I sort of, you know, marched my way up there, sort of slightly blinded with tears of anger and embarrassment and, and disappointment. And had this moment genuinely at the top of Arthur's seat thinking, oh, you know, God, I, I just, what have I put myself through? And what I, I obviously had got my expectations and my reality completely wrong. And and if I actually want to be good at this, then I need to, you know, tight, be humble and accept I really don't have it, I haven't fixed it yet. And I need to, when I, by the time I leave this mountain, I've got to figure out if I'm going to do it, I need to basically start again and learn from people around me and, and just get better at this and work at it. And, uh, and it was really early in my career. And it, and it was this sort of harsh lesson of kind of never, never assuming, you know, you've got it made or never assuming you're good enough yet. And I can, I guess I kept that for the rest of my career. And, it was hard at the time, but it was really useful in that, you know, there's always more to be learned and there's always better ways of doing it. And um, it was painful on the night. And as you said, a little bit dramatic, but uh, it was very useful in the rest of my career. You do have to be a little humble. Clearly, I didn't learn that lesson, but you do have to be a little humble. And Catherine learned that lesson early on. But one of the things she clearly showed straight away was the fact that she's resilient and, and she came straight back. She just reassessed it and and knew that, uh, you know, that she could do a lot better. But what I would like to uh, ask Catherine is when did she actually feel that that she actually belonged and that, that rowing was going to be her thing? Yeah, I, I mean, I felt almost straight away that I belonged. It was, you know, I was trying out loads of different sports uh, at school and I did the same at university. And but I felt very, very early on in rowing that, you know, the people around me, that it's, it's a really tough, intense, you know, training regime in, in rowing. But it's also, um, I mean, I've always found it incredible characters and really strong and passionate and compelling. And I love that environment. So right from the beginning, even as a, as a novice, I still felt oh, I belong here. Um, and I was always very competitive. And even going through that slightly humbling experience, it didn't. It didn't knock my confidence. It just, you know, it was just a really good reminder of, you know, these sort of being good at something doesn't happen overnight. It, it's graft. It's hard work, and it's and it's learning and sometimes failing and learning better. And um, and I kind of, I suppose I gradually got up to, and helped by coaches around me, the the sort of, the belief that I could be aiming for the really top. But I didn't start off in the sport thinking I would go into it to then become an Olympian or, you know, competing for the country. I just started off thinking, I love this sport. And I want to be as good as I can at it. And, and, um, and I guess I learned, you know, you don't do that on your own. You learn that with a lot of people around you. But I always, I always felt I belonged in that environment, but it took me a while to feel I belonged at the very top end of that environment. That took a bit longer. How was Sydney 2000 for you? Was that kind of a, 
a moment of, of like, you know, some people have a, an odd relationship with, your, with silver medals. What was your relationship with, with that particular medal? Yeah, look, I've got really, really happy memories of Sydney. And it was my first Games. And, um, you know, you, I, I watched the Olympics growing up and I, you know, looked up to the, the people that I, you know, you sort of see and you idolise on, on the TV and things watching it. I never, you know, I never thought, I was never growing up thinking I would one day be that. So I think when you got the chance to join that team, and it's a very, very special team. And you know, the Olympic Games is such an incredible environment. And you just getting to the games you know, it's such a it's such a sort of dream moment of this is you you're part of this now you're part of this incredible historic global event uh, that celebrates sport and and yet performance wise you still you still as an individual competitive athlete want to put out your best performance on that stage and you know i was i was the youngest you know in the rowing team at the time and most inexperienced in my boat and everything was just you know an incredible place to learn from and and to and to get the chance, you know, the, the the opportunity to go out and you know be on that level of competition and compete against the best in the world, and you know it was the same games that Steve Redgrave was going for his fifth Olympic gold medal. So there was a you know the the rowing team was a really really exciting place to be. But at that point, the women's team had never won any Olympic medal of any color in any in any rowing event in the history of, sort of rowing at the Olympics. So it was a big big deal to try and get on the podium at all, and. Uh, so yeah, so when we got our silver medal, and you know we got it in a photo finish between the silver and the bronze, and I, I, I had thought when we crossed the line we'd got the bronze, and I was still ecstatic. You know, we were the main thing, the real, real ambition for us was to get on the podium. That that was making history, and that was having sort of breaking through a barrier that had sat there for a long time. So any medal cut at that point was was exciting. So the silver was thrilling, and. And, you know, it wasn't as, for many of us, there's four of us in the boat. None of us were disappointed. Everyone was just, you know, this is this is the magical moment you, you, you know, blood, sweat and tears behind the scenes for and to get on the podium and feel we've done something really quite unique and special was really wonderful. So the combination would be my first games, the first time you march an opening ceremony, the first time you get the kit, the first time you're part of that, that sort of really international world was thrilling anyway. And then, you know, to come away with a medal that hadn't been done before was 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 truly magical and it and it does you know it's it's you know daily will say the same it's a it's you know it's an environment you want to keep coming back to it really is it does feel a special thing to be part of so there were silver medals at athens and at beijing as well so ahead of london 2012 some people might think oh she's like sacrificed a big portion of her life and not achieved her dream of getting an Olympic gold medal. But I gather sacrifice is a word that is consciously not part of your vocabulary. What what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never used the word sacrifice and I generally don't want to. And I know a lot of athletes who feel similarly in that, you know, a lot of it's just choices. It's, you know, we, we chose to be athletes and we chose to do the sport we did and we chose to stay in it as long as we did. And um, you know, it's tough. It is, it is a, a tough sort of lifestyle to choose at times. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I, I loved it. And I only, I, you know, I said I'd only continue doing it as long as I did if I was still enjoying it and still felt I could be better. And this, you know, it's a really, it's an incredible time of your life where you can, you know, just focus on this one area and you can, you know, everything about you and everything around you and everyone you're working with is about this, sort of quest for improvement and 
realizing your potential and you know I was lucky I worked I love being in a team sport as well and working with people around me and bringing out the best in them and likewise they were trying to bring out the best in me and and you're trying to achieve something together and that's a really you know I do look back and think it was it was really was an incredible time and you feel very lucky to be doing it and even though yes it's it's painful and it's you know six or seven days a week of your life for years on end and you miss out on you know a lot of other things you miss out on some whether it's family events or, you know, some social life. And there's lots of things that you you don't have that, you know, other people your age are going through or experiencing. But again, it was the choice. And I felt what I what I gained from it, I you know, I, I don't have any regrets. And, and yes, you know, I think when you're invested in sport, it can, you know, it will bring you your greatest highs and your greatest achievements. And it will also break your heart. And, you know, we'll have, you know, have you on your knees at times and, you know, physically and mentally. And it, and I think it asks so much of you. You really find out about yourself. And But, you know, I don't regret any of it. And I think um, I do. You know, I think it's it makes it brings out a lot of your personality and develops you in a way that I don't think anything else I'd chosen to have done would have done. And I, you know, I really I look back on it as a really fabulous time in, in my life. And I was very lucky to have done it as long as I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I definitely got far more benefits than, than any disappointments through the whole thing. So even the, even the dark days, even the hard days, even the disappointing days, even the days, you know, you, you, you just, you're struggling to get through that, you know, that, that's the kind of test of yourself as a person. And actually, ultimately, I think, you know, I think I'm better from having faced those days. If I, if I weighed it up, I would have said that my, the 15 years that, that I was doing it for, I don't think there's probably an hour that I would change, if only because as as you look back, you understand that some of the not so good moments enabled you to get on and get to the the better moments. So, so I don't think that you know it, it's a bad thing to have down times because they help you appreciate the other stuff. But I but I I do agree with Kathleen that none of it is a sacrifice because you have a choice. And a lot of the time, it's like it's just like going to work. You get you, you get maybe a different hours and all that, but you you got a job of work to do this week, and and you and you go on and do it, and you don't look at it any different. Except of course you're you're doing the thing that you'd love most in the world. I yeah, it does make me laugh when I listen to some sports people, and not a lot, but when they tell you about they missed out on this and this, they don't have to. They could pack up at any point. welcome to the City of London for the Olympic Games of 2012. Fast, fast majority of, of especially British athletes who got to compete at 2012, you know, would say almost irrespective of result, it was an incredible summer to feel part of because, you know, even now, even sort of eight, eight years on, it's still, you know, I still meet people all the time who, who just have these in, just really wonderful emotional and happy memories of that summer and you know whether it was events they went firsthand to watch or whether they were doing things with their families or you know really felt this incredible few weeks where everyone was you know focused on the same thing for that summer and everyone was whether you love sport normally or hate sport normally people really felt swept up in it because it was bigger than just the sporting events it was this incredible moment for the whole country and and there was this feeling of you know really being united and I've been to all different parts of the UK since and people really felt still connected it wasn't just a, a London centric thing and that's a really special thing to pull off to feel you have brought together 
people for these few weeks. And both the Olympics and the Paralympics did that. And mm. and therefore, to be an athlete, you know, in the middle of all this going on around you, and you you realize what it meant to people, and you realized, and it probably wasn't until the few weeks afterwards you kind of got the scale of it because. You still feel it. I don't know if daily was the same, but when you're training a lot of the time, it's, you know, it's, it's very, everything's very internally focused. You're focused on your own, you know, competition, your training, and you sort of don't really feel the eyes of the world or the eyes of the country watching you most of the time. And then you kind of step out into a bit more of the limelight at, at the Olympic times. But even so, it's still, you still don't have a sense. It's, it's, you know, still the sports people watching it, where, you know, London really seemed to go so far and wide in the impact and the reach. And it was almost as part of that, the biggest expectation most of us had ever experienced. And the 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 kind of this feeling of the sort of the nation expecting. And it was it's such a privilege to be in that in that space at that time when sport felt very, very important to a lot of people and they were enjoying it. It was fun and it was vibrant and it was noise and the crowds were unlike anything I'd ever experienced before or have seen since and it wasn't just the numbers that were at every event it was how passionate that that crowd were you know it really was a sort of heartfelt roaring from every event this is a, an incredibly unique opportunity we've been sort of gifted to be you know for Anna and myself and our boat we were at the peak of our of abilities and we got to have, have a home crowd to compete in front of so you really felt this is of all the things I could have done for it all to come together right now what an amazing opportunity um, and then it's about controlling all of that and not feeling that's going to you, know, you want that that feeling of how special it is to bring out the best in you rather than overwhelm you and, and not be able to cope because it was something none of us could have really trained for because it was it was much more emotional than anything else we'd ever done. Um, so you still need to have a way to control that and use it, but deliver the race that we you know, delivered time and time again before. Um, so it was this wonderful blend of using that euphoria and using the crowd and using that excitement and using this moment in time and yet, you know, rationalizing and normalizing it and delivering in a very sort of focused way what we knew we could. And, and then as soon as it's done, then, you know, real celebrations can start and, and it, yeah, I remember us crossing the line and, and, you know, the crowd were, you know, really is that, that, you know, they talk about the extra team member, that, that sort of public support. And it just felt you could sit as soon as we crossed the line and just sort of in this amazing way, be with the crowd and just bask in that noise and that celebration. And you felt there were so many people that were part of those medals that summer. So yeah, it was really, I mean, it really, really was. And it will remain such a, a wonderful time in all of our lives. So. Yeah, I feel incredibly lucky to have been in the team at that point. So it was probably quite lucky then that, that you didn't actually realise just how big it was till yeah. after you finished. Because it's, to be honest, it, I wasn't, I was just there as a, a spectator and working for the BBC. But it was, it's one of the proudest three weeks of my life because the whole world was looking at you guys and you guys were just killing it. It was so fantastic. And how happy all the British people were for that three weeks. It was, I got goosebumps just talking about it now. It was absolutely incredible. I'm jealous. Oh, I know, I know this is it. And you know, obviously 
you know Steve Redgrave as I do, and and you think you know he's someone who who won five times across five different Olympics, but never got the home games experience because for it to fall into your lifetime as an Olympic athlete, it's very rare. You know the previous games mm. had been 1948 in in the UK, so you know so many people haven't had that experience, and we don't know when it'll come back. So yeah, I do think it's it was, and like daily, like you're saying, I think we all increasingly felt just just how good it was for the country and how how happy people were and yeah. you're right just really sharing experiences together and you thought that i don't think any of us predicted just how positive the whole thing would be i think we all hoped it would be successful in a and a great games but actually you know the, the sort of unknowable is is how people will kind of emotionally react to that that those sort of events and it was it was really really wonderful to see and and as i said even now people to still almost look back quite misty-eyed and say, oh, you know, know, what what that summer meant to them. I know that you've used some inspirational quotes in your life and to get through the the tougher moments or inspire you to better. Uh, What is your motto? And and can we convince Daly that that you should be... um, he should be looking at Instagram and looking at a few quotes. To get <laughs> I don't think I've got one more to. Um, and it's risky because you do like this and they all just sound a bit cheesy and then you've got Daley Thompson laughing at you. There's a lot of amazing people who have said a lot of incredible things over time and I do find words do have the power to inspire and I still feel words have the power to change mindsets and and move people, and I think that's that's incredibly important. But it's Johann van Goethe, who was a philosopher as well as a poet and many other things, and he said, um, whatever it is you can do or think you can, begin it. Boldness has a genius, power, and a magic to it. You're never quite sure on the start, and even with all the confidence in the world, as, as Daly would have had, sport is unpredictable. You don't absolutely know for sure what's going to happen, but the whole point of that is you begin it because actually by beginning that's the power in doing anything just begin it what's your mantra if you had to have one daily i would it would be something like and this is and you're right they do sound cheesy but it would be obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the prize they're both great i've never heard either of them been asking everybody about what their daily routine is. So Challenge time. I'm just going to go in, yes or no, and then give us a little reason why. So the first one is go rowing. Absolutely still go rowing, just not uh, every day right now. I love being outdoors and love being on a river and it changes every day. And even in the cold, miserable, ice cold winter of snow and hail and rain, there's still something a bit, a bit thrilling about being outdoors in the elements. Eat haggis. Not every day, but yes, yes, I would do that. I love haggis. Well, it's not, it's not that, that is a delicious food. It's laughter. You're laughing at me right now. I can see that, Ed. I love haggis. I am, it is I'm fabulous. A fan. I can't believe that people wouldn't like it. There you go. Good answer. And finally, listen to the Olympic Channel podcast. Oh, I mean, honestly, I mean, a day does not go by in my life when I don't listen to the Olympic Channel podcast. What would a day be without this level of inspiration? Clearly. Thank goodness for lockdown. I mean, I can just spend my life doing this now. I think that was correct. I think that's that's all good. Catherine, Daly, everyone, thanks very much. It's been a blast. I love talking with that lady. Fantastic. So much fun. You and me both, Daly. Love it. Thank you. 
Olympic Channel Podcast. Big thanks to Catherine and Daly. One thing to mention is that Catherine has her own podcast called Medals and More, and it's a really good insight into the work UK sport are doing and has some great guests as well, like Max Whitlock and Team GB Chef de Michon, Mark England. It's well worth checking out. Another podcast worth subscribing to. This one, of course. Next week's guest is well and truly chasing his dream no matter what. It's Bridgestone ambassador Lutela Mohammed. And he was one second away from achieving his dream of winning Olympic gold in taekwondo. But a kick to the head changed everything and he had to settle for silver. Fight was over and I saw him jump up and quickly dart in, uh, into the crowd. And honestly, guys, knowing that the fight was over, and I was just on the ring by myself, even though in, I was in an arena packed with 10,000 people, I felt like I was completely alone. I've never quite felt like that before. I've never quite felt like that since of being surrounded by a, a, a massive amount of people on the biggest stage in the world, but feeling uh, like I was the only person in there. Olympic Channel Podcast. Lots from Lutelo on how he dealt with that and how he's training harder than ever now and lots of mental health tips. He's a totally amazing character, very inspirational. And that episode will be the last in our special little series of four episodes celebrating 40 years since Olympic Bridgestone ambassador Daley Thompson won his first Olympic gold medal in Moscow. Hit subscribe right now to make sure you don't forget. Another way of keeping up to date is by following Olympic Channel across all social media platforms and if you want to make me really happy, then go and leave a five-star review on the app that you're using to listen. It really helps. It spreads the word. Anyway, big thanks if you've already done that. Stay safe and see you very soon. Think like an Olympian.